0: Hi, I'm Mark Rotterman. Coming up on Front Row, Attorney General Josh Stein defends the Safe Child Act in North Carolina Supreme Court. Is North Carolina in and running for a major biomedical facility? And climate change stalls out in the U.S. Senate. Next.
1: Major funding for Front Row with Mark Rotterman is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation. Committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by Funding for the lightning round provided by Nicholas B. and Lucy Mayo Body Foundation, A. E. Finley Foundation, N.C. Realtors, Reifenberg Construction, and Stephen Gleason. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org frontrow front row.
0: Welcome back. Joining the conversation, Donna King with Carolina Journal, Democratic Senator Jay Chaudhry, Republican State Senator Vicki Sawyer, and Travis Fain with WRAL. Jay, let's begin with the Safe Child Act, which is now currently being challenged in North Carolina Supreme Court.
2: That's right, Mark. In uh, 2020, the State child, Safe Child Act uh, legislation that uh, Senator Danny Britt and I both sponsored, uh, it essentially opened a two-year window that temporarily suspends the statute of limitations for child sex abuse lawsuits that allow survivors now to sue until the year 2021. And as a result, a number of people have sued. Uh, a number of institutions, including North Carolina School of the Arts, that's been in the papers. Uh, In 2020, a lawsuit was filed by three East Gaston High School students against the local Board of Education because they oversaw a predatory wrestling coach. Uh, defense Defense attorneys have argued that the measure violates their client's constitutional rights. Uh, the, the, the case was heard before a three-judge panel. That three-judge panel actually struck down the, the, the law, saying that it was unconstitutional, because they said that it forbids the General Assembly from retroactively eliminating their clients' rights. And then earlier this month, Justice uh, Samuel Irvin granted the plaintiff's petition that said that they will now hear this challenge to the court. And to your point, Mark, Uh, Attorney General Josh Stein now has filed a brief defending the Safe Child Act. This was actually an idea that he had proposed to the General Assembly. Uh, Essentially, his argument is that every victim deserves his day in court, um, and the Safe Child Act does exactly that.
0: Donna, what happens if it's uh, ruled unconstitutional?
3: Well, I think that then I think what will end up happening is that that would be the challenge for the General Assembly if they want to take up further action on it. But generally, I think that just means it's dead. I mean, this is something that would, would, you know, go away. Uh, One of the things that the the defendants uh, are saying is that the Constitution doesn't let you retroactively lift the statute of limitations on somebody who's already gone on trial. But in this case, this is really about lawsuits to institutions that perhaps looked the other way, according to uh, the plaintiffs of these cases. So it's, uh, you know, public, School systems, a school of the arts, things like that—they're not criminal. It wouldn't reopen the criminal uh, statute of limitations. But a lot of
0: these plaintiffs have repressed memories, right?
3: Well, I think that's the argument that the that the bill sponsor said, and that's that's something that Josh Stein, the attorney general, is is arguing to the U.S. to the North Carolina Supreme Court.
0: Vicky, weigh in here.
4: Well, it's always an uncomfortable situation to talk about these type of things, but I'm glad that the General Assembly, and thank you to you and Senator Britt for championing this legislation. As someone who's been involved in the school system, I understand that um, there are repressed memories. These things are uh, and take a long time to, um, you know, gin through, even as an adult. So I'm appreciative of the work that is being done in this space.
0: Travis.
5: Yeah, it's not just repressed memories, but you know, as you grow up, you decide maybe I want to deal with this. Maybe I want to take some action. Whereas when you're younger, you you don't feel that way. And I think it's important that it's civil suits. I think it's important that these are people who may have turned a blind eye to things, just like you said. and and, and not wanting to face liability for it. I also want to read from the dissent in this uh, because this is not a criminal law. Criminal laws can't be retroactive. Taxes can't be retroactive under our Constitution, but there's a question whether procedural things can be retroactive, and that's what the dissenting judge in this case, who says it is constitutional, argue that this is procedural in nature and that it is within the General Assembly's powers to allow these later lawsuits.
2: Jay, okay, wrap this up in about a minute. So I, th- I think one of the distinctions and arguments that uh, Attorney General Stein's office has made is this idea of due process, and, and what the majority in the three-judge panel argued is that this was a due process violation, but what Attorney General uh, Stein's office is au- arguing, it this is not a property-based claim, but it's what's called a tort civil claim, and to, to Travis's point, um, because it's not criminal in not nature but civil in nature, they're going to argue that this is constitutional for this. Okay, reasons. I want to
0: move on and talk to Donna. By the yeah. way, great conversation. Uh, looks like we may be up for a, ma- a major. Biomedical facility here.
3: Yes, yes. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is proposing uh, opening something similar to DARPA, but in this case, it would be the Advanced Research Project now what's DARPA? Agency for Health. That would be defense research. So this is really about okay. um, uh, health research. What they say is that this would be sort of a, a fast track, high risk, high reward research into everything from Alzheimer's to cancer to research to uh, uh, all different kinds of medical uh, research. And North Carolina would like its bidding on this. You know, we're, we're a phenomenal location on the East Coast, tremendous biotech agency, university system, community colleges for labor and workforce. Um, but we're not the only ones in the game. Ohio, uh, Massachusetts, uh, all, uh, Georgia, other states are vying for this. Uh, Congress has already allocated in the budget and the appropriations for 22 a uh, billion dollars for this agency. The Biden administration would like it to see closer to six billion over three years. It's a huge project. Uh, and of course, our congressional delegation and I'm sure the governor and the, the Commerce Department the are really- The governor's lobbying
0: uh, yeah, Biden they're putting headally. a big
3: package together to see right. if we can land this here for North Carolina. The question I have, though, as a taxpayer, what is this agency doing that the CDC and the NIH aren't already doing? And is this a really an issue of, of creating uh, these capabilities within the existing infrastructure we have? That said, we're a great place for something like Donna, this. Donna,
0: you think it may be predicated on whether we pass Medicaid expansion, though, too, right?
3: I mean, it could be. You know, we've got the Biden administration up there watching us pretty closely, and we've talked a lot about Medicaid expansion. Uh, the House and the Senate have passed their own versions uh, that would eventually, theoretically, lead to it. But uh, there's no doubt between Governor Cooper's priority being Medicaid expansion and, of course, the Biden administration that may be a carrot out there.
0: Do you think we pass Medicaid expansion, Jay, after the election? After the election, I'm not.
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not optimistic about it being passed after. Um, you think after it's the election? I mean, I, I hope it's in 2023 where there's a reset. I mean, look, I think if Medicaid expansion becomes a criteria for whether they're going to or they're going to locate uh, ARPA H or not, uh, it'll take Texas out of the mix. It'll take Georgia out of the mix, and it and you know Boston is clearly in the running too. I mean, I will say that Adam Russell, who is the interim director of ARPA, is a Duke graduate, so there's there's some local local ties for us as well. And uh, look, I mean, I think the state's been on a hot streak because there has been bipartisan support between the Republican General Assembly and. Democratic Democratic governor that's allowed us to become number one, number one state in business and hopefully we can carry that momentum into bringing this federal agency here.
0: Travis, we've been down this road before though. We've been very close on some, uh, several, federal projects, right, military projects?
5: Yeah, I mean, and we've kind of just missed out. I mean, let's remember, Massachusetts, major bio cluster. The CDC is in Atlanta. So, I mean, I kind of have to think we're an underdog here, but we do have a lot to sell. And we haven't mentioned the HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is this drive for diversity in all things these days. And having a really, really solid HBCU system or, or conglomeration of HBCUs in the state is something that I guarantee you the state will hit hard as it makes its pitch to the federal government.
0: Vicky, put this in context.
4: Well, for me, it's all about transportation, the infrastructure, and how we're going to support these mass amount of uh, companies coming in. So, of course, I support them, but I'm also cautiously optimistic because, for me, we cannot even uh, fund and build the roads that we've promised to North Carolinians, as some estimated that the STI is below or under program or over-programmed by $8 billion. So, thank you, thanks. I'm glad to have these folks in here. I'm just always concerned, how are we going to pay for it?
0: Why don't you think we can... Uh, we can't fund the roads right now? Is that because of inflation?
4: Well, there's a myriad of reasons why, but inflation is definitely one of those. Um, another one is that the programming just uh, was over-promised and underdelivered, delivered and that's not at anyone's, like, a Democrat or Republican. It was just an institutional change that has to be uh, going on at NCDOT right now. Under their new leadership, they actually are owning that, and they're moving forward, so I'm grateful
3: for that. Uh, it's just going to take a while to catch up.
0: Donna, wrap this up in
3: about 20 seconds. Well, you know, we've we've been down this road before federal agencies, Landing a federal agency is a different animal than landing a company, and that's something that we've seen in the past. We lost the uh, the Army Command here in Raleigh uh, just a few years ago, um, and so there's certainly a lot of political angles to this. Does the governor does our does our delegation have the pull it takes to land something like this? We're certainly qualified, certainly in a good location, certainly have the the corporate and and private university resources here to do an excellent job for the country.
0: Okay, I want to talk about Joe Biden's last couple of weeks. His climate agenda seems to be in some peril.
4: So all throughout the election that we had heard from President Biden about the clean energy revolution, and that revolution meant about $2 trillion in spending. And a part of that was 100 percent carbon free by 2035, a net zero greenhouse gas by 2050, and um, some temperature in the Paris Accord agreement, keeping that together. Unfortunately, that meant a huge roadblock called the West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin this week. And some people in the party are really saying that he is destroying the world as we know it. But it's interesting. He may actually be saying- party in the democratic party but it may be interesting he may be saving the democratic party as we know it because a recent uh survey that came out between uh the siena college poll and the new york times says siena that. siena college poll yeah thank you says that um of those surveyed, only 1% see that the climate change is actually the top um, priority for them. And those in that 30 or below age range, which you think would be more progressive, only 3% of those actually decided that that was the number one issue for them.
0: Jay, clearly Manchin thinks the uh, green energy climate agenda is too expensive for America.
2: I mean, he does, and I think that he's inserted himself in this debate, and it seems like he's been temporarily successful in scaling back the spending that uh, that Congress would put towards trying to, push for um, addressing climate change. But look, I mean, that being said, I mean, I think you saw President Biden look to, toward, try to take executive action. He uh, called climate change an emergency and a clear and present danger. He announced but that But he didn't
0: were, declare an emergency.
2: Well, no, he did not declare an emergency. That, that's an important- But he issued
0: several executive uh, orders. That's right. He, orders. he did, uh,
2: including spending money on building out 700,000 acres of uh, commercial wind farms, which I think will help um, with clean energy. He's going to double the funding for climate. Resilience programs. I mean, I think it's a good point about where climate change is relation to inflation since the economy really is dominating everything But one thing that I will say is if you look at a Pew charitable trust poll that to ask Americans about What Biden's approach to climate change is or whether whether federal government's doing too much or too little Actually a majority of Americans think that we're not doing enough. Um, so I think if you look within the category Most most Americans although again, there's a partisan divide about that would say that we need to do more
0: mm-hmm. Donna is is Biden trying to uh governed by executive order I notice he's had 94 executive orders yes. to date more than Trump. Obama and Bush.
3: Which seems interesting to me, considering the Democrats also control Congress. So if, if he has to rely heavily on executive orders, that means he's not, uh, he doesn't have either good support in Congress or he's not, you know, leading well, or something's falling apart in this process. When you control two of the three chambers of government, uh, two of the three branches of government, you shouldn't have to rely on EOs. That said, there is an interesting bill, which I don't anticipate it really going anywhere, given that Democrats control Congress. Representative Hudson of North Carolina has proposed a piece of legislation that That requires the government to put a fiscal note, a a financial cost to EOs, to executive orders. Uh, And I think that that would be valuable for taxpayers. If you can create law and edicts with executive orders, then you should also know how much they cost. Well, the
0: recent uh, Supreme Court with the EPA says you can't make law that way, right?
3: Right. That's correct. I mean,
0: agencies, and I assume that would apply to the president, my friend. Listen, to people
5: who are kind of done with climate change don't think it's a big of an issue. It's not done with you. We talk about how expensive this is. How expensive is it for the Outer Banks not to exist anymore, for the city of Miami to be gone in 100 years? People may think that's not going to happen, but the science tells us that's where we're headed. The science has been clear for a very long time. We keep kicking these cans down the road. Luckily, we've kicked it far enough down the road as a society that the free market is starting to react to it, and Duke Energy and others are just... ON THEIR OWN WITHOUT GOVERNMENT MANDATES, AND WITH SOME GOVERNMENT MANDATES.
0: I'M COMING RIGHT BACK TO YOU BECAUSE NORTH CAROLINA IS CHARTING ITS OWN ENERGY FUTURE, MY FRIEND.
5: YEAH, TO ADDRESS CLIMATE CHANGE, THE LEGISLATURE PASSED A BILL LAST YEAR, HB 951, CALLING FOR A 70% REDUCTION IN CO2 EMISSIONS FROM DUKE ENERGY'S POWER PLANTS. Uh, THAT'S JUST THE BASICS, THOUGH, IN STATE REGULATORS ALONG WITH DUKE ENERGY AND A BUNCH OF interveners, BECAUSE THIS WORKS KIND OF LIKE A COURT PROCESS. They're going to come up with the details. It's ultimately up to the Utilities Commission. That process is underway now. Duke Energy's plan, what they want to do, would rely more on natural gas than a lot of environmental groups want, and also more than the solar industry and the wind industry would like to see. Uh, Duke Energy says they have to have kind of this natural gas bridge uh, to new technologies as solar energy, and particularly battery storage gets better and better and better and more reliable. But they'd also be potentially burning hydrogen in those natural gas plants one day and investing in small nuclear reactors, so small modular nuclear reactors. And what critics say is that these are unproven technologies and that we shouldn't be relying on them even kind of five, ten years out. There's going to be a lot of back and forth on this over the summer. What's the timeline? It's got to be done by the end of the year, but people will be weighing in over the summer. The Southern Environmental Law Center was out with a paper this this week that said, hey, you actually don't need natural gas. You can do all this and cheaper, with solar and wind
0: sign off on this
5: it's gonna be the North Carolina Utilities Commission seven members all appointed by uh, Governor Roy Cooper at this point
0: environmental groups though Jay are not happy with Duke right now are they
2: they're not um, I'd I'd commend Travis's article actually it's a great summary of the of the number of issues but uh, but you're right I mean uh, but, but the environmental groups I think have raised a number of issues and 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 I think just to underscore what Travis has talked about I mean I think the Utilities Commission has to tackle a number of emerging issues that are that are coming out based on the papers that they filed Um, A couple of things that are interesting, one is uh, the environmentalists and the advocacy groups are questioning the actual modeling that's being used by Duke, so what are the inputs that obviously uh, cause the output, so the price of gas, for example, is something that has been disputed. Uh, The second issue is the use of technology, natural gas, that Travis talked about. Uh, There is questions about whether this next generation of nuclear power uh, will actually be feasible or not, and what what is the mix going to be? Europe is headed
0: towards nuclear power, right? I
2: mean, uh, Europe has embraced, I think, nuclear power more so than, than the the united states has um and then you know the last i think the other the third issue from from my perspective is also whether you cap solar energy or not and i think the environmentalists would like to see more about uh, about how much we use environmental energy in the mix but you know the bottom line to me is that the utilities commission has to sort through a number of issues uh they've got to do it by the end of december okay. um, and uh, and they've got to do that while keeping cost loaded consumers Donna, your thoughts
3: Sure. So all of this is based on a piece of legislation called um, HB 951. So this law builds in guardrails and among them is lowest cost and most efficient. And that right there changes the entire calculus of, of this proposal, because one of the things environmentalists say, and as well as people are saying, look, you got to follow the law, lowest cost to right payers, to households and most efficient. That means that all of the focus on solar and wind, which requires backups, uh, dispatchable backups to make sure that it's reliable. Um, um, you know, that eliminates the lowest cost just right off right off the bat. So both sides, people who are saying we want to make sure that this is affordable for households and businesses in North Carolina, doesn't put us in the situation that Europe's in. Uh, and then environmentalists are saying you're relying on this hydrogen technology down the road that really is unproven right now, and could eventually, if if the reliance is on this technology and solar and wind, we could be looking at brownouts and blackouts if we don't have these dispatchable backups, which Thank requires you. redoing the entire Excuse grid. Me. Yeah.
4: Well, I just spent some time with folks in Texas, California um, this past week, and their whole nervousness around, especially legislatures, is, can we, charge our phones. Are we going to be able to make sure that people in nursing homes can actually get the air conditioning that they need?
0: Worried
4: about the grid. Well, Absolutely, especially in Texas which for me is such an energy production state that that was a, a concern that I was surprised that I would hear coming from those legislators mouths, but it is forefront for them. So I appreciate what Donna was saying is that there are guardrails around this and it is about the one that has the most
3: reliable and least cost to the consumer.
0: Okay, great conversation. I want to go to the most underreported story of the week. Donna.
3: Absolutely. So um, most underreported for me, the North 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 Carolina Democratic Party has announced they're not going to follow the union unionization of their own staffers, which I think is really an interesting uh, piece. So uh, the party here in North Carolina, they've the staff has unionized and the party's decided at this point not to recognize that unionization, considering that they've been making this such a part of their platform moving into 2022.
0: What was the rationale?
3: well, they really haven't offered one. And, I, you know, it's been coming up on Twitter, And but you're right, actually, absolutely. You know, it's, it's also about what it's always about. It's about cost, and that's one of the things that I think we're going to see coming up. They're going to have to offer some sort of explanation.
2: Jay, underreported, my friend. Um, underreported for me was, as we all recall, when the Dobbs decision came out that overturned Roe v. Wade, a basic premise of Justice Alito's majority decision was that the, the Constitution can protect the right of abortion only if it is, quote, deeply rooted in our history. And traditions. Washington Post has an interesting perspective uh, piece that talks about a 1792 case in which Thomas Jefferson, John Marshall, and Patrick Henry actually viewed abortion as a private matter. I encourage your viewers to read that. Okay. Go
0: ahead, my friend. Well,
4: for those of us who live in eastern North Carolina, this is no news. But for me, Piedmont did not realize how much the military presence has a footprint in North Carolina. And actually, the North Carolina Military Affairs Group just started out a campaign to let all of us know how important the military community is to us. I did not realize that the defense industry is like the second largest industry in our our footprint here. We also are ranked seventh in the number of um, military folks that we have in the United States, which to me was – Yeah, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, So you can learn more about our military at ourncmilitary.com.
5: Travis. I want to recommend folks read some coverage recently from Lisa Sorg of NC Policy Watch about the Cooper administration's uh, work, trying to get people back into their homes from Hurricane Matthew, it is going slower uh, than I think many of us would have anticipated. It's been five years. I get it, it's hard layering these state and federal programs. We had a pandemic to deal with. The labor market is is messed up. Supply chains are messed up. But again, it has been more than five years and what Lisa has found is distressing. NC Policy Watch, there will also be a Legislative Oversight Committee meeting on this sort of thing in the coming weeks.
0: Is there money in the pipeline that's not coming through? What is it? There's
5: tons of money. There are a lot of different moving parts. And again, read Lisa Sorg's story. She's written maybe a dozen pieces recently. Is the
0: governor on this?
5: No, I, I mean, I mean,
2: there have been challenges because of some transition in dealing with housing issues when Governor Cooper first took office. And um, I mean, I know that I know that they have been focused on trying to do this focus on this is uh, trying to resolve the issue. I'm sure they're trying it's just.
0: Well, it's a pretty significant problem, though. Right. Okay, let's go to the lightning round. Who's up and who's down this week, Donna? Uh,
3: up, I'm going to say fundraising, particularly in North Carolina's judicial races. We've got some two uh, North Carolina Supreme Court seats uh, that are on the ballot, and the fundraising is pouring in. Democrats appear to be outraising Republicans at this point in some of those races, um, and they're critical. I think that you're going to see a lot of focus on them, uh, more so than you would in in other races. Other, um, election cycles. But doesn't
0: a super PAC take care of that?
3: Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Citizens
0: I think, I I mean, think, do, Don't you think there's a high <laughs> probability that a super is going to come I in? I think
3: we're seeing a lot of focus all over the place, in states particularly like North Carolina, where uh, judicial decisions are, are really impacting. Um, my down is Attorney General Josh Stein. It appears that um, Stein is kind of trying, possibly trying to head off action, either by the SBI or some other level of authority. He has filed um, a lawsuit asking a federal court to declare a non- 1931 law unconstitutional now that law uh makes it a misdemeanor to have uh campaign ads that knowingly are false and uh there's been an investigation at the state board of elections and then was passed on to wake county sure. there's a hearing on monday
0: that's kind of antiquated though, isn't that was that's a yeah, new yeah, I mean, that,
2: that that law came out before free speech it was de- before political speech was declared as first amendment who's, up who's down
0: this week quickly um,
2: yeah, so who's up? Uh, marriage equality is up. Uh, this past week, forty-seven House Republicans joined Democrats to pass legislation to repeal the Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, among the Where's Republicans, Tillis
0: on that in the Senate? Uh,
2: well, so that hasn't been voted on the Senate. No, yeah, right? but he's, and, he's I, said I, a he said he was inclined to support it, if right. my memory serves me correct. But among, Senator among, Tom Tillis. Uh, that's right. Uh, among the Republicans who supported it was Elise Zeldinac, the House GOP conference chair, and the chair of the Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry. So that bill was aimed at Supreme Court. And who's down? Uh, I think on the broader theme of fundraising, national. I think uh, Republican U.S. Senate candidates, uh, Democrats in the 10 closest U.S. Senate races have outraised Republicans um, among small-dollar donors. If you look at Mark Kelly of Arizona, is right. outspent uh, his opponent, um, out-raised his opponent $23 million to $2 million. Vicki, who's up and who's down uh, this week?
4: Definitely up. Anxiety about the ever-shrinking effect of the federal infrastructure bill, not only inflation but also unionized labor, is two of those uh, things that industry folks are citing that are actually eating up the ability to add uh, capability or capacity into our um, infrastructure, down poor Charlotte. They now have been left at the dance again by David Tepper. And so they had a, a Rock Hill, South Carolina, that has fallen through. And now at Eastway Mall, that uh, has fallen through as too.
0: Travis, who's up? News down this week, my uh, I'm going to say COVID cases.
5: We test wastewater uh, for virus particles up like 55% over the last week. I'm not saying lock it down. But if you are if you want to take some precautions when there are spikes, it's and that we time. we
0: do wish the president... Uh, yes. To get well soon. as
5: as well as everyone else, I'm going to say down Ted Budd. Fairly lackluster fundraising recently. He put out a video asking people to donate so that he could uh, buy barbecue for for his staff. Said he was trying to buy barbecue. I submit to you that if you are trying to buy barbecue in North Carolina and not succeeding. You got a problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Donna, what's the headline next week?
3: Yeah, I think uh, next like, next week we're going to see um, some numbers that may indicate that we really are in a recession. If we have two quarters, uh, uh, two two down quarters in a row, we're in a recession. Those numbers do out next week. I think we're also going to see uh, that consumers in the consumer price index, that, we're, that people are spending less and largely due to inflation. This is the critical issue.
0: Is Are gas prices coming down based on demand, do you think? People are not going to? To the gas stations as much, not driving as much. Um, I mean, much. it
3: could be, but I, I do think it's interesting that the White House took credit for them coming down, but wouldn't take credit for them going up. What do
0: you say about that, my friend?
3: <laughs> well,
0: I, because I mean,
2: because I, because it's true. I mean, I think if you looked what happened with after Russia invaded Ukraine and where our petro- uh, the access to petroleum reserves, the prices went up. So it's okay. Like, yeah.
0: Headline next week.
2: Uh, with my headline next week is with really really tur- low turnout in Wake County. Willie Road defeats Sheriff Gerald Baker in the primary. Oh, wow.
4: Headline next week, Uh, beleaguered Hunter Biden. We'll see, it sounds like there are charges that are swirling around and we'll see if the uh, pending charges for gun possession and alleged tax violations actually hold. Well, if
0: the Republicans take back the house, there'll definitely be a lot of investigations about Hunter Biden, I think, particularly uh, because he didn't register as a foreign lobbyist. My friend.
5: Blaming presidents for gas prices is one of the sillier things we do in this country. Next Tuesday is runoff day. There's some city council races in Wake County. we got a sheriff's race if you're a Democrat. If you've got, if, if got a ballot, vote.
0: Great job, panel. That's it for us. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you next week on Front Row. Have a great weekend.
1: Major funding for Front Row with Mark Roderman is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by funding for the lightning round provided by Nicholas B. and Lucy Mayo Body Foundation, A. E. Finley Foundation, N.C. Realtors, Reifenberg Construction, and Stephen Gleason. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org frontrow front row.